Coffee Break, where Helena comes to talk. I am Troy Shockley, and this is the Coffee Break Podcast. Thanks for joining our chat today. Coffee Break brought to you by Cochrane Insurance. We've got Car Tangadal with us this morning, and uh, she's the only one I mentioned in the promos. She didn't tell me she was bringing along her sidekick this morning. Uh, we've got Catherine McNeil here as well. How, how are you guys doing? Good. Cara, uh, you, you doing all right? Yeah, everything's good. Okay. Um, we've got a lot going on, so I'm glad that we get to be here today. Yeah, surprised. Like, uh, I say surprisingly. It's surprising to many people, I guess, maybe. You, you're very busy. You know, I think many people think, well, this stuff shut down. You know, so if 4-H maybe, but you're actually, you're finding ways to, to make stuff happen. Yeah, we are. Um, we have a lot of in-person activities and virtual activities, and we have a couple of big service projects happening within our county 4-H program as cool. well. So that's why I brought along my sidekick, as yeah. you say, because <laughs> she works with those kids and she can talk a lot about what they're doing and where they're at with that service okay. project. Well, for those that haven't heard you uh, on the show before, uh, can you explain what Extension is all about? That might be something that's kind of new to people. Sure. So MSU Extension is an agreement between the um, the Department of Agriculture and, um, and land-grant universities. So it's actually throughout the United States, and it's also international. So um, here in Montana, our land-grant university is Montana State University. So technically, I work for Montana State University mm-hmm. as an extension agent, and I'm located here. So Lewis and Clark County has typically has three extension agents, an agriculture and natural resources extension agent, and in Lewis and Clark County, that's Matt Walter, and then a 4-H youth development agent, which is me, and then we have a family consumer science agent. And right now, that position is vacant. So if that sounds of interest to you, there you go. Keep an eye out for that job posting. Somebody might have just heard their future job this morning. I like that. It's so, pretty fun, but I'm biased. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, it'd be a good office to work in. I think you guys would uh, have a lot of fun over there. And, uh, and so multiple extension agents focus on different areas in your focus. Um, what does your day-to-day look like? What do you What do you do over there at the fairgrounds? Every day is different. <laughs> I mean, it really just depends on the projects we got going on or what's happening um, between people because our program typically has over 400 youth members and over 100 adult volunteers. So, I mean, it gets a little <laughs> crazy depending on what we've got going on. So, yeah, juggling a lot of things. Um, so this year it's been a lot of transitioning to virtual. So we yeah. purchased Microsoft Teams. So, um, like I said, we have a blend of in-person virtual workshops. For instance, we have some project leaders who are doing sheep judging workshops online and kids can just tune in online. And that's pretty cool because we're also um, working with other extension agents around the state to try to share those opportunities so that Maybe if they didn't have a sheep person in another county, they can just jump in on that workshop and learn a little bit about yeah, the sheep project. Train them up. Yeah. yeah. So more communication's been good this year. Yeah. And how many? You know, when we're talking our county, it, it sounds like we've got quite a few kids in the 4-H program. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and actually, right now we're enrolling. Enrollment goes year round, but re-enrollment goes until December thirty first. Okay. Yeah, and numbers. I'm really interested to see how it ends up this year, just because yeah. of everything going on. That's what I was wondering, and I wanted to ask you, Cara, because you you mentioned you know we've we've shifted so much to online in everything, mm-hmm. but but obviously 4-H, and and I wonder 
what the uh, I, I guess retention maybe is the word, you know, because you can see we when we talk with uh, officials with like the school district and stuff, it's okay. Well, are are the kids engaged? Are they finding a way to to get these kids engaged when they're just sitting at home on the computer? What are you seeing with 4-H? Are the, are, are the kids engaged and do you feel like you're going to get them back next year? Yeah, I think it's a mix. I think Catherine can talk about some of our kids might be too engaged. <laughs> they've, <laughs> they've got a lot going on. Yeah. And then some of our kids, like they only do shooting sports, for instance. And with the um, health requirements right now, that's not really possible with the number of kids we have in shooting sports. For instance, we have, I think, over 100 kids enrolled in archery. And so trying to plan how we're going to get them all in and shooting for three hours at a time yeah. I mean, that's dang near impossible with the number of volunteers we have yeah so that's changed a little bit this year too so some kids probably aren't going to participate this year based off what they're doing in their project areas so yeah. it's a mix uh, car tank all is with us this morning uh she's you know I, i'm just putting her in the spotlight here in the first half and uh, she's the 4-h extension agent in our county uh, 4-h what's the age group like what, what does that span um it can start at five years old so from five okay. to about eight years old they can be a clover bud is what it's called and they go to clover bud workshops and it's a non-competitive 4-h program so they can still participate in a lot of the things they just all get the same ribbon and are just kind right. of learning the ropes of 4-h uh, when they turn eight years old they can choose to stay in clover buds for another year or to join the regular membership and at that point they can join almost any project for shooting okay. sports you have to be nine and you can do 4-H up until you're 19 as long as you're still enrolled in high school. Okay. Uh, and especially the older 4-Hers, we've had them on the show before. It's it's really clear the impact that this program has on them, on their lives. Um, and and it's it's visible. They're, they're very confident, you know, behind the microphone. They're very confident in just interpersonal communication. You're, you're training up leaders there. It's really impressive. Yeah, and Catherine's actually our ambassador leader. So we have 4-H ambassadors, which are like mm -hmm. our youth representatives of the program. And they're some of probably the most confident kids you'll ever meet. <laughs> yeah. So, and Catherine can probably talk a little bit more about what they're doing. Yeah, they're... what is that like, Catherine, to to have those kids and sort of be, you know, like like uh, Cara said, you're, you're in charge of that, you know, and to watch them just build that confidence, that's got to be neat to see. Oh, it's an amazing experience. It, so, um, the kids that I'm working with right now, I've known a lot of them since they were eight, nine years old. And so to see the growth and to see where they've come and how far. And um, these, the three that are doing this service project that Carl mm -hmm. mentioned earlier are three of the most amazing kids I've ever worked with. And so through the years, I've worked with, oh, probably hundreds of of kids and so some some are much more exceptional and much more involved than others but like i said these three are pretty pretty outstanding they're very um like she said they're very um they're the overachievers because they're involved in everything and so they're very busy and but uh, their their speaking skills are great. Their leadership skills and the confidence to just get out and do things is and is and really good. and really the, I guess community mindedness. I yes. mean they they want to make the world around them better. Yes, yeah. Two of those I think that they might have mentioned. Two of them actually got to participate in an international, uh, 4-H conference that was in 
it was in South Korea, wasn't it? So wow. So they've gone to national events and international. So yeah, it's so cool. I mean, we, we are seeing leaders uh, of tomorrow coming up through 4-H, and and really that's part of the aim of the program. I mean, I know, and we talk about it whenever we have car or somebody in, you know. The, it's just that immediate connection. People say 4-H, oh, that's the cows and the pigs. and the. It's so much more than that. Yeah. And like I said, with some of these kids, they do. They get to see, well, because they go to these events and they, mm-hmm. they expand their their worlds, essentially. And so they see what the possibilities are. Yeah. We're talking this morning 4-H, and we do have to take a break. So uh, I, I think we're, uh, we're we're a couple minutes early, but we can go ahead and do that now. And then we're going to come back and, and talk with uh, Catherine a little bit about what 4-H has looked like in the last, I don't know, it feels like three years. I guess it's been like nine months. I don't know. Since the spring, <laughs> whenever this thing was. So we got more coming up on Coffee Break. I just wanted to step away from the show for a few seconds to tell you that if you miss an episode, you can always catch up. We're on iTunes, so find our show there or swing by coffeebreak959.podbean.com. Local and area events, city, state, and national officials, your neighbors doing incredible things. We talk to them all on Coffee Break, where Helena comes to talk. In today's always-on world, your business demands a simpler approach to network security. At Blackfoot Communications, we deliver state-of-the-art security solutions from the perimeter to endpoint devices and remote data backup for businesses across Montana. Ensure your company's network is online all the time. For more information, visit goblackfoot.com security. Welcome back in. This is Coffee Break, and I'm Troy Shockley. Thanks for hanging out with us today. We're talking 4-H and 4-H extension. We've got Cartang at all with us this morning. Catherine McNeil is here as well, and uh, we we sort of touched on it in the first half, but everything has looked different this year in, I mean, I mean in every area, but certainly in, in, in 4-H. You had to take really everything to online, much like the kids that are doing remote learning in school. That That's kind of what this has looked like, right? Yeah, not everything is completely online. Um, I mean, we follow the guidelines that we have for our county and our state, mm-hmm. of course. And so, like, for instance, our dog project, they still meet in person. They wear masks, though, and they make sure that they're spaced out and they're doing, like, obedience and agility training still because, um, yeah, you can't <laughs> – it's really hard to learn virtually all the time. Sometimes right. you need to put it in practice and have somebody watch you. So Yeah. So everything has been harder. How, just sort of mentally, uh, like, how is everybody doing? I mean, from from the kids to, to the leaders, because this wears after a while, and it's like, we just want to do what we do. Yeah, one thing I've noticed is that burnout seems to happen a lot faster, mm-hmm. just with, with most people, I think, that I've met, because we miss, I think we miss that social interaction and that feeling of camaraderie and and just working together on things and the feeling of accomplishment right now, it kind of feels like we're working, 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 and you're not really seeing the results like you, you used to. So, um, I've noticed it with the kids. Um, they've, you know, they go to the meetings, they do the virtual stuff, and then it feels like we're just planning for next year. And that's kind of hard where the adults too, where they have to work just a little bit harder and rethink everything that they're doing. And then, um, for a while there too, when all the guidelines were changing, I mean, that was really hard to be that resilient and, and just adapt to everything. 
Yeah, you know, and it just because 4-H, I mean, typically in a normal year, you've got all these different areas of focus, and they're all meeting individually together, right? It's it's lots of little groups meeting and learning. Yeah, we have 21 4-H clubs, and so they meet, and it's a mixture of, of online and in-person. We have committees that meet every month, and that's also a mix of online and in-person. And, and then the projects, like they have to meet too, and that's a mix also. And keeping all that straight and reorganizing everything, it's a lot of work, but everybody feels so passionately about 4-H that they're willing to put the time in but I mean we're still just people so yeah <laughs> it's really easy to get tired and run yourself down and I, I see that in other jobs too yeah so. Carl Tangadol and Catherine McNeil this morning talking about 4-H in uh, Lewis and Clark County and um, we, we touched on it a little bit I suppose but what's been the buy-in from the kids because it, it can be hard to convince them like you said the burnout it's not just the the leaders I mean the kids can get kind of tired of this as well because this is not what I like I like doing it and hanging out with my friends and that's not what we're seeing I mean, are you seeing burnout in the kids or oh yeah yeah, yeah. and I mean like our whole motto is learn by doing <laughs> Right. So, yeah. you know, if you can't actually do it, it makes it harder for sure. Um, but a lot of the kids, I think it's just the way you think about it and the way you're taking care of yourself. So a lot of the kids are setting the stage for getting stuff done and understanding the limitations we're under. And we just kind of retool that to be just a challenge where, where can we, how can we still make this fun? It, and looking at their experiences that they're having and then seeing like, okay, so what was working for you? What wasn't working for you? Mm -hmm. And then going yeah. from there. And you mentioned you do have enrollment going on right now or that, that tip, that that's not like a set enrollment day right you're always taking new members yeah we are um in order to participate in fair you do have to enroll by may 1st okay and then the dog project like i said they're meeting and doing trainings and if you want to enroll in the dog project and actually be active in it with that leader you need to enroll by december 15th okay I might have to lend you my dog. Well, I, I, don't, I can't enroll, but I want to enroll my dog and get some obedience there. Yeah. A knucklehead. Um, so what does that look like? I mean, how, how do people, how do kids enroll or how do parents enroll their kids? Um, so you'll want to go to our website. And so you can either Google Lewis and Clark County 4-H and you'll find us there. It's the county website. Or you can go to lccounty.gov slash 4-8-H and you should be able to find us there. And we have a button that says join. And if you click that, you'll find step-by-step -step instructions on how to join and get enrolled. The first step is always to join a club. And like I said, we have 21 clubs and um, most of them are within the Helena area. And so and just like anything else, you know, you might attend one club and it might not be the right fit. And so then you have to go try another one. But we have like and that's OK. Like uh, that's, uh, my assumption is that's encouraged. Like you're not going to hurt people's feelings. You're not going to you're, you're trying to find where you fit. No, they are all so different. And you get a different mix of kids um, with ages, with interests, everything or how the club is ran. I mean, that's a really cool part about 4-H is that since the youth get the ownership, everything's going to look a little bit different depending mm -hmm. on what they're doing. Yeah. And uh, we're talking this morning with Cara Tangadol and Catherine McNeil. And, and Catherine, you're involved um, with the kids sort of on that ground level. And it sounds like you're the one to talk to about some service projects going on. What, what I guess, first off, just in general, when we say service projects, I think people can understand probably what that is. I mean, you're, you're trying to do things in the community to make the community better, right? Yeah, and right now we have 
Uh, the kids are part of a True Leaders in Equity, which is a national service project program. And what they want are working on is they have a really lofty goal of 500 new backpacks filled with a blanket, stuffed animal, uh, a journal, and then toiletry items to go to foster care youth who are removed from mm-hmm. their from their homes. And Montana has the second largest or second highest rate of removal from from homes in the nation, only second to, I guess, West Virginia. So it happens a lot, and it's usually in a really emergency kind of situation, and so those kids leave with nothing of their own. Yeah, it's whatever they're wearing. is, And maybe if they grab their backpack, whatever was if in there, or a favorite one. toy, or, yeah. So, and, and, and we had the kids in, and we talked about that, and uh, it, it's neat because they are they are really passionate about this project they really are yeah and they're working really hard and right now they've um we're we're doing really well with the blankets we're doing well with the toiletries but it's been because of the covid just the way that they wanted to obtain things has been Mm -hmm. really difficult just because you can't go into places. You can't, yeah. you you know, that where you'd leave a box for somebody to leave something. Nobody is allowing that. And so you can't even go to stores and sit in front of them and and talk to people as they come in. So a lot of that has changed. And so, um, and like Cara said, they've really tried to modify how they do things. But it has caused some frustration. But so right now we're really looking for for new backpacks, that's one of the things. It's the biggest expense, but mm-hmm. it's one of the things that uh, that's most needed. Okay. So that these kids, when they go from family to family, uh, oftentimes that's what they do. And so they have their own backpack and then a blanket that uh, we're really excited because the Helena Quilters Guild donated 60 homemade Oh, handmade wow. quilts so Very we're cool. pretty excited about that and then the 4-h clubs are doing there's a contest going out between the 4-h clubs for tie blankets made okay from fleece so we're doing pretty good on the blankets yeah it was it was neat to hear uh when those kids were in before a couple months ago talking about that that you know every, every state had to come up with you know hey this is our project this is our project and uh, it sounded kind of like when they heard theirs, it was like, wow, ours is not very, you know, everybody had kind of small, fun little things. And theirs sounded like it made an impact on a lot of different states and a lot of different groups. And it was sort of, wow, how give us your plans because we want to do that, too. That's a neat thing. Yeah. And they looked at something that, that was, well, in service learning, they're, they're taught, look at where there's a need in the community mm-hmm. and, and then focus on that need and how can you fix that need. And so that was what they did. And a couple of the kids are really, one of them has a sister that was in foster care and another one is really involved with a family that fosters children. And so they see the need and they see what what happens when these kids are removed or what they're removed from. So, so if people are uh, listening and they're thinking, you know what, I want to help out with that. You said backpacks, that's sort of the main thing that we need right now. That's what we really need is backpacks. Okay. So if uh, folks can go out and uh, get it, how how then would they get that to you? They go out, they, they get a backpack and they say, okay, I want to give it to you. Do they bring it to the 4-H extension office there at the fairgrounds or what would they do? Um, 
Yeah, they could do that. Okay. Or um, if they Google the Lewis and Clark 4-H website, my my number's still on there, isn't it? Uh-huh. My, my number is on there. And there's also, we have the 4-H Ambassadors has a Facebook page that there's information there as well. So, okay. uh, yeah, there's a lot of different ways that they can do it. But, yeah, if they want to drop it off at the extension office, that would be that would be Okay. Good. Yeah, it, it's such a neat project. We're talking this morning with Cara Tangadol and Catherine McNeil about uh, 4-H extension, about 4-H in general, and a uh, service project going on uh, with Catherine's uh, kiddos. And uh, are, are, are there other projects also, Cara, or is this sort of the one that we're looking at right now? You mean for service projects? Yeah, service projects in general. Do we have other stuff happening? Um, this is a youth-led service project for sure, and we also are working with Toys for Tots to okay. help them this year. So some of our clubs are making that their service project for the year. Every club does a community service project, whether it's highway cleanup or whatever. And so this is one that some of the clubs are jumping on and, and trying to help them out, especially in a weird year. Yeah, so. very cool. Is there a deadline for this? I mean... Or, or is it completely open-ended if we're going to go at this until we get 500? No, this is a project, and because it's a national pro- program, there is a there is a deadline. Okay. The reporting has to be in by May 15th, and so we're we're accepting materials until April April 30th, I guess. Okay. And then uh, we will give them to the DPHHS, and they will distribute through their their. Um, foster care program yeah it, it's it's a neat thing because it's it, it's not just a locally focused i mean they they sort of turned that focus to locally it's a problem well why not let's just help the whole state you know and so it, it, it's neat to see that you know they're willing to take on a challenge this is a big deal and they're not thinking small <laughs> that's a it's, it's neat to see yeah they're two of the girls are state officers and so then then they're using their their connection statewide to get the state for each kids involved as well yeah it, it, it's such a neat thing seeing folks um care about where they live not, not just uh, here in helena or in lewis and clark county but about the state of montana and they're, they're really working to make it better uh car tangadol and Catherine mcneil with us here this morning we've got uh I got about four minutes left with them, and uh, I, I want to mention Cara because you you mentioned to me you've got a a beginning beekeeping class coming up, and it, it always fascinates me. And uh, it's it's the neatest thing because you're sort of fascinated with the bees, aren't you? That, that's sort of your pet project. <laughs> yeah, um, when I when I took the job, we were getting some questions at the office about bees, and I was like, well, I'm kind of interested because, well, frankly, I think it's how most people get interested. I like honey. <laughs> So I was like, sure, yeah, I'll learn about them. But also my science background, it just it's it's wide open scientifically now, right now. And mm-hmm. that's super exciting. But yeah, we're doing a beginner beekeeping class again this year. Um, I partner with Alyssa Piccolomini, who is the state entomologist, and she does a lot of the hive inspections around the state um, for commercial beekeepers. And our class is going to be February 20th through Helena College. So if anybody's interested in learning more about bees and becoming a beekeeper, you can sign up for that class in okay. February. So. so who is that for? I mean, is it for anybody that's interested? Yeah. Typically we say anyone who's interested in becoming a beekeeper or anybody who has been a beekeeper for a little bit and isn't having great success and might have some questions about best practices and things. Um, 
it's like, for instance, right now what we're doing uh, as beekeepers is we are prepping our hives for the winter um, because actually honeybees aren't native to Montana. And so you kind of have to switch things around a little bit to make sure that they can survive here. Um, Usually they're in warmer climates. Okay. So uh, one thing that we do is everybody has kind of a different method of prepping their hive for winter. Like I wrap mine in tar paper and then put some like a sugar on the top that they can eat on during the winter if they run out of honey. And everybody does something a little bit different. And so I thought it'd be cool to ask beekeepers around the state, what do you do in the wintertime? Because, and what's been effective for you? And we have all these microclimates in Montana. And eastern Montana is drastically different from western Montana. And so, um, and I guess that's what I mean about wide open scientifically. We kind of know, like, throughout the year what you need to be doing to be successful as a beekeeper. But when it comes down to the, like, why and it does that work year to year and why <laughs> we don't have those answers quite yet. So wow. I'm really excited to get to know the beekeepers around the state. We have some really smart people that have been doing bees for years and have been doing that research. And I'm excited to work with them and then share that with our beekeepers. Yeah. In it's area. super interesting. And, uh, you know, I, I think something that a lot of people take for granted. So it's neat that you kind of thought, you know, you went from not knowing anything about it to taking a deep dive and, uh, That's pretty cool. Yeah, and sometimes you get imposter syndrome for sure. (laughs) (laughs) But it's like, you know, at the same time. I'm not a beekeeper. I just have bees that are at my place. (laughs) Right. And then, but at the same time, that's how everybody gets started. You know, it's something that they get. And I think about scientists who have, are well renowned now, like Darwin. It's, you know, he was just doing that on his own and learning and keeping after it and putting the money in. (laughs) Right. So if people are interested in this class, it starts February. 20th is that what you said yep february 20th and so that's a good way to get started meet the local entomologist and 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 it's through the college like how do they sign up do they go to the college or is it can you get to it through extension or um i would just go to the helena college website or call helena college and they'll be able to direct you they have a pamphlet coming out soon okay so uh yeah if you're if you want to hang out with cara and learn about the bees uh i think that's a cool place to go and you know do you have to have your own bees Already? I mean, is this, can somebody show up and go, I don't have a bee, I don't know anything. Can they just jump in at step one? Yes, that's part of the reason we do it in February, because it gives you plenty of time to um, source bees, which means to find which ones you want and to buy them. Okay. Borrow somebody else's bees or something. I I don't know how that works. Cara Tangadol is uh, with the 4-H Extension Office here in Lewis and Clark County, and Catherine McNeil is uh, with everything else here in Lewis and Clark County. She's raising up the leaders of tomorrow, and uh, it's so cool. Um, to have you guys in here and, and what you're doing for uh, for the young people in our community is really cool. And and then Cara branching out and uh, helping folks with the bees. So uh, thanks for coming in and best of luck to your uh, your bees this winter, Cara. Yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> that's how it feels. <laughs> yeah. They don't like the cold, I know. So Cara's going to see if she can nurse them through this because at some point winter's going to hit. Uh, that's all the time we have for Coffee Break. We'll see you back around here again on Monday. I'm Troy Shockley, and that's it for Coffee Break today. Be sure to check us out on iTunes, head on over, give us a review there. That's always much appreciated. Or swing by coffeebreak959.podbean.com. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you back here tomorrow.